filter optional. I am Chico West. And I'm Shannon West. And it, it's an exciting day today, Shannon. It is. It is an exciting day. We get to really do something that we care about and um, promote something that we care about. Yes. And, it you know, on filter optional today, it's, you know, April 29th. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, we're still shelter in place, but actually, uh, you know, we, we have some people on Zoom. We don't, we, we did this episode a few days before, but it's exciting to be, me being the no filter, so you're going to have to keep me in check because we have, we have three ladies joining us. And yes. so you being the filter in the filter optional, I'm going to need some well, help. Well, we have two judges. Um, oh, I know. Joining so they can keep you in line. I yes. have no fear of that. Yeah, <laughs> that is for sure. So this episode is really our first time to to do some. This whole episode is is dedicated to uh, you know really informing uh, you know informing people about some some great stuff happening here in Dallas County, uh, and it's called uh, Family Legacy Court or Legacy Family Court. or Legacy Family Court. <laughs> yes. Exactly, I I said it wrong. It's but, called Legacy Family Court, and you were supposed to be the keynote speaker, believe it or not. Um, you know, for their fundraiser, fundraiser today, yes, April twenty ninth. And so we want to bring Legacy Family Court to you so that um, they can still have their needs met and tell you a little bit about it. And I think that the, just listening to the testimony is going to um, Get, inspire, I, yes. inspire. I mean, and it made me think of a lot of stuff that I did early on in my career. And so, yes. let, hey, let's get right to it. I want to introduce all three of the of the women that are joining us today. Yes. First, uh, let, let's start with Judge Lee. Judge Lee is on the phone with us. You, you want to share a little bit, Judge Lee, about who you are and what you do? Hello, um, my name is Jean Lee and I am the judge for the Dallas County Legacy Family Court. And I'm also the associate judge of the 302nd District Court in Dallas County as well. All right, well, thank you. And then Judge Callahan. Hi there, thank you Chico and Shannon, first of all, very much for doing this. Um, my name is Tina Callahan and I was the presiding judge of the 302nd Court uh, from 2007 and, until my retirement, the end of 2018. I currently sit on the board of the Legacy Family Court Foundation. Well, thank you. And then we have Claudia. Hi. Um, I'm a participant in the Legacy Courts and a graduate. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. You know, Judge Callahan, you, you were at the beginning when this started. Can you give us a little history of what you know, legacy family courts all about and stuff like that. Sure, sure. Uh, when I got on the bench in 2007, the first year I was on the bench, it was sort of like drinking from a fire hose, trying to get all the information down. I knew when I got on the bench that these family drug courts existed. We had lots of criminal drug courts, diversion courts, diverting people from being incarcerated if they went through a certain program, if they were successful, graduating and have any charges expunged. I knew there were family courts that did that, but I didn't know a lot about it. In 2008, I went to a conference in Baltimore, right outside of DC, for the National Association of Drug Court Professionals, and it blew my mind. This was exactly what Dallas needed, and it took, because it was such a laborious process, and there were no 
other family drug courts in the North Texas area. Uh, there was one in East Texas, there was one in El Paso, there was one down in Austin, there was one in San Antonio, but there were none around here. Uh, I sort of had to, uh, with uh, working with a lot of other people, help create the court. So the court got started, uh, I think it was maybe November or December of 2011. And by the time we had our first participant, I'm gonna say that was March of 2012. So that was when the court got started here in Dallas County. It is a, it is a court itself, but it isn't one that was created by the, the state legislature. The courts themselves are a part of the law in Texas, but the counties are the ones that have to decide that they want those courts in their county. So it, Dallas it, County had a lot of criminal courts, they just didn't have a family court. Mm -hmm. So is this similar to like Wilmer down there, interventions, you know, the drug court, uh, that is that where, you know, I, I know about that being in the field. Right. Uh, and I went down actually there over 20 years ago and got trained to do, uh, you know, experiential therapy, you know, so is it yeah. similar to that where, uh, but dealing more with families and people that have children and stuff like that. Is that what Correct. we're saying? It's a specialized court within the judicial system that handles cases of child abuse and neglect that involve issues of substance use by the children's parents or the children's guardians. Now we don't handle the cases that you would see there in Wilmer where there are criminal charges pending because that's sort of a, a double use of resources and, and we just don't have that kind of money. Uh, but these are cases where parents have had their children removed because of a finding of either abuse or neglect and the, 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 the usually the touchstone is substance use. Yeah. That, that's that's yeah. great. And so I want to hear from you and Judge Lee, especially because part of that passion when Mark, you know, contacted me about, you know, the fundraising and stuff like that is when I really uh, started my graduate program, uh, I started an emancipation program for troubled teens. And so, Claudia, you can maybe respond to this is there was this pattern. This program was in Colorado Springs. It was for it had been around for 25 years and it was kids that were being emancipated from their homes because of the abuse and the neglect and the drug abuse and inside the families. And for some reason we were trying to help break the cycle. Is that what, you know, y'all are trying to do too is help break the cycle of, you know, these patterns happening over and over again? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The the there is a there's always been child protective services that has taken children from homes and tried to help parents, but this particular program, it's a it's a problem solving program. It works specifically with the parents by identifying what the needs are, assessing what sort of substance abuse there is, what sort of needs the parents have. It provides access to treatment. Uh, it attempts to remove the barriers that may impact a, um, a successful completion of treatment, such as you know, helping parents to develop skills to achieve recovery. It provides ongoing monitoring of parental compliance. I mean, there's drug testing constantly. I mean, Judge Lee can go into detail about what it is that she does because she's the one that oversees that intensive judicial oversight very similar to what you will see in a criminal drug court, but 
instead of the incentive being, oh, I'm going to get my case dismissed. Right. Yes. The incentive <laughs> is getting your children back with you. Oh, well, that, I, right. I well, love it that gives part. It gives people um, a sense of support, too, that they don't get if they're just sent out to complete their tasks, you know, that they're right. by the court. And it's just such a great support system. And so I'm so thrilled to hear that that is um, accessible in Dallas because it, keeping the family together is the most important thing, you know, in the world, I think, to keep everybody together. So how do you all fund this program? Well, initially, uh, the, <laughs> the commissioners were more than happy to create this court because I didn't ask them for any money. Right. Um, uh, but we went to the state and the governor, uh, there, the governor has what they call a, a governor's grant program that uses funds that are collected as fees and costs from all of the, the uh, problem solving courts, the criminal courts uh, here in, here in uh, Texas. And so there's a pool of money that the governor can draw from in order to help these family drug courts. And for years, we were able to use the governor's grant. But going back to 2008, when I was at the NADCP conference, one of the things that they talked about was funding. And they said in order to have funds, non-discretionary funds, um, that you really needed to create a foundation so that there would be a, a vehicle to educate to yeah. inform and then to take in money from not only from other foundations but from people that were just interested in this particular cause so in 2008 when i uh 2011 when i created the court when it was actually created by the county i also created the foundation or at least i got the foundation going other people actually did it at the time because i was still a, well, a sitting yeah. district judge yes it's a huge task it's a huge uh, undertaking but that's great that you've got it started. Yes. Yeah. And so Judge Lee, I want to bring her in and we don't want to forget about Claudia and we're going to have all of y'all talk. But Judge Lee, tell us how, how the court's set up and how you interact with all the different agencies like CPS and, you know, then there's these attorneys that get involved and, and how everybody has that same mission of, of kind of breaking the cycle uh, and having that accountability you know, recovery, rehabilitation, and reunification. Can you help kind of describe sure. that? So, sure. So before a case can come into the drug court, it has to start off um, as a CPS case, a termination case where the state has come in and they have filed um, a petition to terminate a parent's rights. Um, and so, of course, the cases that we deal with are cases where, um, the state has come in and they're asking to terminate rights because of drug use, addiction, drug abuse, um, and child neglect because of that. And so um, the parents are appointed attorneys. Um, we have we have a wonderful, wonderful team. We have um, CASA, who is um, on the team. So we have a CASA supervisor. We have CASA advocates. Um, we have a parenting coach who is on the team. Um, so every, again, every parent has a... Um, an attorney. The attorneys that are working in drug court are trained specifically for drug court. So they understand how the court works. They understand the expectation of the court. And they have that level of compassion because we could deal with a case like this. And these cases go on for a long time. So they have to have compassion. They have to understand where these parents are coming from. There's relapse. 
So there has to have, you know, there's patients, there, there's all of that. Um, but we have a whole bunch of people on the team, and then we have CPS, CPS caseworker, and the caseworkers that work with the court are phenomenal. Um, they're the same caseworkers that were with the court when Judge Callahan started it back in 2000, was it 2007, 2000, but the same caseworkers. So, and all they do, the only cases that they handle are drug court cases. So again, they've got experience, they've got compassion, they've got understanding, they know how to work the case. Um, so we've got, you know, everyone who works with these parents um, have experience, they have understanding they know what's expected they know how the case goes um, and again these cases some of them can last up to two years so it's not a case where you come in and it's done in you know six seven months these cases can go up to two years and so um, and i like i like that that it's you know that that it's not a quick fix you know because when you have addiction and other issues going on you know it takes a while just for your head to clear up you know, I I have that 90-day men's program, and then we're we're encouraging them to go on to kind of sober living and stuff like that. So, exactly. like when Claudia begins to speak, is I like man just to help build that long-term recovery. The more you can get them involved in community and accountability, you know, and have them take that ownership, we 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 see the success. Uh, you know, increases dramatically. And so I like that. I, we came in, I, we were sharing with you before we started this podcast that we got to see you uh, at work with, you know, there was, there was the attorney for the woman in, in, in the court. There was the attorney of the two dads, two different attorneys. There was the CPS uh, person. Everybody was involved. And I liked, you know, the accountability and the structure uh, and, and kind of that, um, I, they, for, for me, I don't know, Judge Callahan and Lee, y'all can both respond to this. I like the word kind. I'm not real big on the word nice. Kind is people speaking truth in love to you. And I just saw y'all as kind. Y'all weren't nice. Well, and I saw it as gracious. It Very was just gracious. Because, you know, it, it's easy to get tangled up um, emotionally when, but no one in the room seemed to be too tangled up emotionally. I mean, as far as, I mean, they were tangled up because they cared, but they were all so kind and gracious in dealing with who they were dealing with. Like when they had to confront about, C when CPS had to confront about some yes. things, she was so kind yes. about the way she confronted. And, and so was Judge Lee and all the attorneys, everybody cared about the situation and it, it just didn't have this divisive angry yeah it, feeling yeah it, at all you know and so definitely well, one of the things that you learn in in educating yourself about drug courts is the same thing as educating yourself about addiction addiction is a disease substance use disorder is a disease it's not a character flaw and so there you can't get mad at somebody because they have high blood pressure amen you can't get mad at somebody because you know they have a chronic kidney problem. You can't get mad because they have a disease. Right. Treat people with respect and you mirror to them the way you wish them to treat you and to deal with you and, and kindness and, and, or being nice, whatever, you know, it really, it's, it's about accountability. Sure. Uh, it's uh, all about accountability. And Judge Lee is 
Sometimes she's a little too nice. Now I'm just going to say, <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Yeah. but, uh, but she, what she is, is a very good role model. And she expects people to be uh, straightforward and accountable to her. And she will be accountable to them. Uh, we don't ask of anyone who comes in there, anything more than what we expect of ourselves. I, I love that. So now I do, you know, we'll get back to you, Judge Lee and Judge Callahan here in a second. But Claudia, I want to hear about your story. Especially I'm this time as we're all stuck at home and, and we, we are all having to deal with <laughs> major like stuff. Like I said, before we went live or whatever, I said, I'm a terrible teacher. I'm a terrible parent. I'm figuring out I'm being exposed <laughs> as I quarantine with my whole family. So um, that just shows the success of the program. I'd like for Claudia to, yeah, share a little bit about her story. Okay, so back in 2017, <laughs> I had a CPS officer show up at my house. And I, she didn't find any neglect. She didn't find any abuse or anything. She did ask me some questions about why my middle child was so tiny, and we got that all resolved. But I did fail my drug test, my hair follicle, and they removed my children. They gave them to my aunt and they sent them eight and a half hours away. Wow. And that just and probably ripped your heart out right sure. at that moment. <laughs> like I'm about to cry right now just thinking about it. Yes, I um, understand. I was utterly devastated and it completely pushed me over the edge. I checked out for about three months and then I got dragged into court and Judge Lee who is I hate it y'all can't see her she's one of the most beautiful women ever yes, she I is agree. I agree with you. <laughs> um she I walked up and they assigned me a lawyer and everything and I talked to Charles and he told me about legacy courts but I didn't have a vehicle at the time and he told me all the stuff I was going to have to go through but he said it was going to be a lot easier if I went through the courts than trying to work things out with CPS on my own and doing finding all the resources and everything and doing it all on my own. He told me that legacy courts would help me with that and they would help me through rehab and everything. And just put it out there. I was in trouble for crystal meth. Um, and so can I ask a couple questions that, you know, I'm a therapist and so it just is by my nature to get curious, Claudia. And so, yes. you know, it was, you know, you started tearing up about that day. You, you failed your drug test and your kids get taken away and your aunt, um, you know, takes care of your kids. And you said you went, you know, you knew you, I, I mean, I'm guessing you knew you were doing the wrong thing, but the drugs just kept pulling you back. And you, it sounds like what you said for three months, you went in a bad place. Is that, is that fair to say? It was, it wasn't really the drugs that pulled me back. Honestly, it was the alcohol. It was the alcohol. Yes. Well, I, I, I see alcohol and drugs is the same thing, but okay. Yeah. I jumped to the bottom of the bottle where I was still, I didn't really do meth as much as I drank, but I drank a lot. And I was a bartender, so I rationalized it with that. Was and you justified it, and you probably minimized it. Is that yes, fair? yes. And, and so I 
when they took my kids away, I started working like double time. I was working three times more shifts than I was ever working. And I was drinking three times more than what I was. And then, like I said, I showed up for my court day and Judge Lee gave me my options. And then Charles explained me what, to me what my options were. And then they gave me a week to make up my mind. And within that week, I had already missed Thanksgiving with my kids. Or I was, yeah, I'd already missed Thanksgiving and I was devastated. And I showed up and I told them that I would do it. I, I love that. And so you said you went to treatment. Where'd you go to treatment? I went to Nexus. Oh, love oh, Nexus. Great, yeah. Good. And so you, you did Nexus. And then, so then how, so you're in the court, but you're at Nexus and you're, you're doing your program. And so you get out of Nexus and you start showing up to Judge Lee's court. Is that correct? Well, I was going to Judge Lee's courts for a few months before I actually got into Nexus. And um, basically it was calling in drug testing and everything and everything. And I was able to stay clean. Like I wasn't using, but I was not able to stop drinking. Yes. And, and so then Judge Lee kept pressing and telling me that I had to do, they wanted me to do inpatient, but outpatient would work and everything. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it if I was outpatient. I knew in my heart, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it. And I talked to my classroom worker and he picked me up one day after I got off of work, drove me to Nexus and they admitted me that day. All right. And so then you get, you get into, you get into Nexus and you, you get exposed. Are, are you active in a 12 step program? Yes. They, first they detox you. Okay. Which didn't take that long really because I didn't need any meds or anything like that. They gave me three days of detox where what I had done the night before I went had cleared my system and then they stuck me in a working program where they get you on a schedule, they get you eating regularly, they get you going to classes and going to meetings and whatnot, where you have to earn everything. You have to earn the right to get to leave the campus and all that. And I think what really did it for me was when we were in, when you are in rehab, legacy leaves you alone. They don't mess with you. They don't anything. As long as you don't get in trouble while you're in rehab, legacy leaves you alone. And for your 28 day program, they let you work your program. Okay. And That's so great. that is good. So they, they step back and allow the treatment center to do its work. Yes. Okay. And then, so you graduate Lexus, you, I mean, Nexus, you have a, you have a plan set in place for aftercare and stuff like that. And the biggest part of aftercare was the court. Okay. So when I got out, my plan was to go to, um, sober living and, Somewhere the ball got dropped. There was some miscommunications. I thought out Natasha was going to help me. My CPS caseworker was supposed to help me, but then she told me I was supposed to get into it myself and they would help me with funding. Well, I didn't. So I ended up going back to my mother's house, which in the long run was probably the best thing for me. And as soon as I got out, 
I got out on a Friday, I believe I believe it was, and I had to be in court on Monday. Because in the beginning, you go to court every single Monday. And then it's like a grace of goodness when it's every other Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But um, so in between there, I got out the day before New Year's. I got out New Year's Eve and I ended up going to three meetings every day up until I went to court. And then I went to three meetings after I went to court. Good for you. Way to go. And so the, the good thing yeah. is it, while you're in the court system and, and going through through the 18 months or however long you went, what was the, if you were to say, what was the hardest part besides getting into Nexus? I mean, that was a hard part. And you, you were trying to make that, uh, what was your hardest part in that 18 months? My hardest part was, well, the distance between me and my children. Mm -hmm. That was by far the hardest, but it was the distance from everything from me. I didn't have a vehicle at the time, and I lived in Grand Prairie, and the courts were in Dallas. So I was paying anywhere from 40 to $60 each time to Uber. get there and yeah. back. And all the drug testing facilities were in Dallas. Everything was in Dallas. And I was in Grand Prairie. So it was getting rides and getting there and getting back and everything. But that the, was the thing I like, Claudia, hearing that, you were willing, what that demonstrated, and that, that's the essential part of recovery, is just the willingness to go to any lengths. Right. You know, and I, I like that, that perseverance and going to any lengths. So tell us now what it's like now that, you know, what, what's the hardest part now that you're not in the court system? That you're a graduate of it. The hardest part is realizing that I have to answer to myself now. I don't have to answer to them. Like, if I didn't want contact from them or anything for the rest of my life, I wouldn't have to. Granted, I've showed up at the courthouse twice to see Judge Lee and have not been able to catch her. And I live eight and a half hours away from the courts now. Um, I want really? to see y'all again. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, so um, in a lot of ways, Judge Lee and the court really saved your life and got your kids back. Yes. Yes. You know, it, and so that's that's what I, I like. I like uh, just that that sense of, you know, breaking the cycle. Because it sounds like you were in the cycle of addiction, which was, you know, uh, your kids needed to be in a safe place. They were taken away, but it, it, it all of a sudden it broke that cycle and got you back to uh, having your kids. And so really the court in, in this program helped, you know, facilitate that. The courts in this program gave me more than just my kids back. When, um, when I went into legacy courts, I was on the outs with my mother. We had not spoke for months. Um, my mother passed away in June. Oh, I'm oh, and when she passed away, we were on the best of terms that we had been since I was in high school. Praise God. Um, I was able to take care of her with a clear head and have those last months with her. And she got to see you sober back with yeah, your kids. Well, my mom was blind, but she got to know I was sober. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she got to but experience like, you sober. Yeah, while I was in legacy courts, my grandfather passed away and they helped me work through that. Like legacy courts puts a lot of pressure on you, but they have hearts and they realize that there's going to be places where you can't do everything. You can't 
do everything right when they need you to do it. Right. And okay. So, so let me, let me ask, uh, this might be more for judge Lee and judge Callahan because we, I love your story and I, I could go on talking about your story the whole time, but I want people if they're watching this show to give money. And I, I was wondering what, you know, judge Callahan, what does the money go for if we are to raise money today for, uh, for the court? How, how does, how does that help? Can it help getting her Uber rides or other women and stuff like that? Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, the, the funds that the foundation raises, uh, most of them are not restricted. So Judge Lee can buy somebody steel-toed boots if that's what's standing between them and getting a job. Yeah. She can make arrangements with uh, DART, the Dallas Area Rapid Transit, to buy bus passes for people to get back and forth to see their kids, to go to work if they're on a bus line. We pay for, depending on the situation, we'll pay for Uber rides. You know, uh, sometimes that's what you need to do. We pay for the drug testing. We pay for sober living to get someone, usually once they get out of treatment, most of the time they don't have a job. They've got no money saved up. These are people that are on the fringes of poverty, homelessness. Mm -hmm. So we will pay for uh, getting them into sober living. You know, there's usually a couple, two, three weeks before sober living requires them to pay for it. Well, so we get, we help them out with that. Anything that we can do to facilitate their the journey in their sobriety. Yeah, the obstacles that get in the way of their right. sobriety that besides the fact that they need to be going to meetings, they need to complete treatment, they need that accountability. Those aren't the obstacles we're talking about in raising the money. No, we're, we're, you're talking about obstacles if they come out of treatment, like Claudia, that doesn't have a place to live. If we can get them into a structured sober living where there's that accountability, that structure, where they might not go back to a real unhealthy environment. Is it's that support, fair? Yeah, exactly. It's supporting their stability, their efforts to, to create and maintain stability in their lives. Yeah. Judge Lee, is there, is there any of the things that, you know, if, you know, I, I know you can't raise the money. You work for the court and the county. But what, what are the things that you see that get in the way as obstacles uh, for these people in the court? You mean in terms if we didn't have the financial support for them? Yes, I'm sorry. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. So like Judge Callahan was saying, we, um, you know, so these are real people with real life problems. Um, and, and I didn't realize, um, you know, the smallest thing, well, what I could believe to be the smallest thing, um, for someone in the drug court problem, it's huge, right? So um, getting on the bus and going to take a drug test. So we, we do, ran, the, everyone in the program is required to call and to test <laughs> seven days a week, and they're randomly drug tested up to five times a week. Um, but for them, I would say about 90% of the folks in our program, they don't have transportation, so, which is something that I would just, <laughs> I took for granted. But, you know, getting a bus pass to get on the bus to go down to the facility to do a drug test or to go to um, an AA meeting or whatever the case may be. For me and for a lot of us, we just get in the car and we, and we go. But for them, they, they don't even have the funds to purchase a bus pass. And so, and that's a, that's a huge hurdle. That's a huge obstacle. So everything that we, we ask them to do a lot, 
the, the team, the court supports, and we do a lot, um, but they are accountable. They have to do a lot as well. And so what the funding does is allows us to provide a way for them to do what we ask them to do. So if we say go drug test, if we say go to treatment, um, here's a bus pass. Well, I live in Grand Prairie. I live in Mesquite. There are no bus pass. There are no bus routes. Well, here's an Uber pass or here's a Lyft pass or whatever the case may be. So we provide everything or we try to provide everything that they need to do what they need to do to maintain their sobriety and their stability. Um, sober living. It's almost like um, any excuse <laughs> that they could try to come Ooh. up with to not do something, um, those barriers, those obstacles, um, what, what the foundation does and what the funding does, it just helps us to be able to eliminate that. Right. I can't go to sober living. I want to go stay with my boyfriend, you know, bad environment, bad choice. I, I, I can't go to sober living because I don't have the funds to do it. And then we just say, oh, but that's not true. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. It allows you and to do your job. And we write check and we say, okay, you can go to sober living. Living. Oh, well, I'm in sober living and they require, um, you know, food and, you know, they don't provide food for us. Okay. Well, how much food do you know? How much money do you need for food? Oh, maybe $25. Okay. Here's, here's a gift card for Walmart for $25. Well, I don't have a way to get there. Um, you know, this, well, here's a, here's um, a quick trip gas card. So any excuse that they can even um, imagine not doing right. what they're supposed to be doing, what the funding allows us to do is eliminate that and we give it to them. Now we hold them accountable. So if they go to the grocery store, we ask for a receipt um, and we match up the numbers and we make sure that they're, they're actually purchasing groceries. We keep track of the bus passes and the Ubers and all that other stuff. So, you know, so we make sure that they're using it for what they're supposed to be using it for. But, you know, as you can imagine, they'll come up with, they come up with excuses. And Claudia, you probably know this because you've heard it, but people yeah. come up with the craziest things, <laughs> the, 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 the craziest excuses. And it's such a wonderful feeling on, on my end over here, just to be able to say, that's not going to work and literally pull out a checkbook, <laughs> pull out a checkbook and be able to write a check and say, you know, you're, you're going to do that. Well, I can't go to this job interview because I don't have an appropriate outfit. Okay. Well, here's, here's a check or here's a gift card. Go get, go get an outfit. All right. You know, I, I don't know how to interview. Okay. We're going to send you to go um, get vocational training so you can learn how to interview and how to get a job. And so um, again, the funding is so incredibly important because it eliminates those obstacles. It eliminates those barriers um, that are real. I mean, and so, they, yeah. they are real. And so, you know, Judge Lee or Judge Callahan, y'all can both respond to this. So some of the women that are in the program before how they were making money was through prostitution and stuff like that. You don't want them to go back to that, you know, lifestyle at all. You know, is, is that fair to say? That's very fair to say. And, you know, and so Claudia is a great example of this, right? So when Claudia came into the program, she was bartending. And, you know, we all knew, and I think Claudia knew deep down inside, that that wasn't the right way for her to make money. It just wasn't the right environment for her. That wasn't the right place for her to be. Okay, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's the people around her, her surroundings, whatever the case may be, we knew and she knew that that, that, that wasn't the right thing to do. So slowly we tried to convince her, but we wanted her to realize, we wanted her to understand, we wanted her to make that decision, but slowly we tried to get her out of that um, mind frame, like I have to bartend, it's the only way I can make money. And she did, you know, she, she did. And so... Um, 
she got some medical training and she was actually able, she was so clever, gosh, just clever. She was able to actually get a job taking care of her mother. Like she was taking care of her mother, but got paid to do it through this agency. And we were just all like, wow. Way to go, <laughs> Claudia. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. We're like, wow, you get and to then before I knew take it. care of her and get paid to do it. Like it was wonderful. And then before I knew it, I had three other patients I was taking care of. <laughs> Well, and that's great that you, you, all of a sudden you became that truly, you know, God's gift. You're that caretaker and stuff like that. And so the, the deal is, I, this is going to be a random question, Judge Callahan. I don't know if this was your dream because you came up with this, you know, really spearheaded this program. Now Judge Lee is, is running it. But if, if today's episode, for some reason, we could raise a bunch of money, could, could, could we use some of that money and throw you know, throw like a social gathering that's non-alcoholic with the judges and the CPS and the lawyers and, you know, have, have something where all these people can get involved and really uh, learn how to socialize sober and stuff like that. Is there is there something that we could do with that money that way? Well, um, I don't know. I mean, I... Uh, we spend a lot of time educating. We spend a lot of time gathering. Uh, you, you know, people, there are lots of things that we used to do to try to raise money in non-alcoholic or not, you know, just to other ways of, of maintaining uh, sobriety, uh, a sober event or something like that. Um, most of the money that we use, to be quite honest with you, Chico, it's, it's going for every last dime of it goes towards those participants in that yeah. court. You know, uh, we, we, we get extra, we get extra money for training. We'll get money from the state for training and that sort of thing. Um, the, the money that we use, like Judge Lee said, is for, for folks with real life problems. Yeah. And, and I did this because there were people in my family personally affected by substance use disorder and, and in other families. And if not in your family, you know somebody, it, it happens in across the board. We're all touched by this yeah. one way or another. If you don't pay for it on the front end, you're going to pay for it on the back end. Look at Claudia. She's flourishing. She's thriving. Yes. Yeah. She's paying taxes. You know, we save. We save Big by putting by this program money-wise. The last time I saw figures, it might have changed. It's been several years. But every person who goes through a family drug court program, as opposed to going through the CPS system, we save about five grand. Yeah. Five grand. And, and so you're saving money because then we're not getting the kids and putting them in foster care or stuff like that. And, and we're reuniting them in that regard. I mean, so, it, so giving money today really actually saves money in the long run on the taxpayer. You know, it is a write-off. It does, it does help women like Claudia to reunite and have, you know, just an incredible story of redemption. I love that Claudia and excited for you. Uh, you, you get to see the fruits of that labor, uh, you know, for Judge Callahan and, and Judge Lee by working with these people and get excited. And so it, it's really something that I would love to see all our listeners get involved in. Well, and we, we will be posting, obviously it'll appear on our Facebook page and then we will be posting links to donating and then, 
you know, I, I'll probably do a link to donate for my 50th birthday. How yes. about that? How about yeah. I go ahead and promise that I will choose Legacy Family Court as my charity of choice for my 50th birthday. How about yes. that? And hopefully we that. will be out of the Corona um, yeah. crisis. Well, yeah. If we're not, people will still be scrolling through and I'll say, instead of owing me, you know, a gift later, go ahead and donate today on my actual birthday. And, I and like that. So let's raise some money. Let's raise some money. For and sure. And we, so Judge Lee, Judge, uh, Claudia and Judge Callahan, thank you so much. You know, we really enjoyed this episode and, you know, Claudia, hey, praise God uh, for everything that's happening. Judge Lee, thank you for your work. Thank you for your passion, Judge Callahan. Uh, and we are really excited uh, for this episode and for people to give to this good cause. Thank you. Yes, everybody stay, stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Mm -hmm.